Water baptism follows true salvation as an act of faith. It's an outward expression of what happened on the inside of us. And it registers in the spiritual realm. The words that we see associated with Holy Spirit is power, fire. That there will be manifestations and demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most important things that we see, the reason for the Holy Spirit coming upon people is for them to be witnesses. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. So, we haven't met in a while. And um, you know by now that I like repeating stuff. Just because it helps us to be reminded what we are busy with, why we are doing it. And to also be reminded to apply it. Many times you only start actually applying a truth of God's word when you've heard it like that extra time. You know, up until that point, it's like white noise, white noise, white noise, and then one day it just sticks, all right? So it's not because I think you're stupid or because I um, don't have anything else to do. It's because I really believe there's strength in repeating these things and making sure that as a family of God, we have our foundation strong, okay? All right. So we are busy with a series of on foundations, and the reason for that is that we need to be reminded, and I think more than ever, we should be aware that there's a constant battle for our souls raging in the spiritual realm. And I think we are more under attack than ever before, in our minds especially. Every day waking up to negativity, to fear, to worry, to a narrative that just kind of bogs you down, that is where it starts. It starts in the mind. What do we partner with? What are we, what are we agreeing with when we speak? All those things are part of the spiritual warfare we face every day, and we need to be prepared. Um, we know from Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 2, I've read this a few times before, it says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. These things should be normal foundational things that we have a grip on as believers. <clears throat> The foundations that we've been discussing, we started with repentance, really understanding what that is about. And if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen. Um, salvation, faith, lordship and obedience. And today we're going to talk about baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then after this, we're going to talk about spiritual family and discipleship. And um, hopefully we'll be able to gather for those <laughs> conversations. Uh, the reason why we are laying these foundations is because, I don't know about you, but I hope that it's clear to you that there is an attack of the enemy on the very essence of the creation of God, coming back to the creation of man and woman, marriage and family. There is a hectic attack on the bare basics of what we have always assumed is just the way it is. Now there's this, this whole wave of attack on marriages, on uh, identity, on parenting, on how we should raise our kids, what are values, what are not values. All these things are under attack. So we, as the church of God, we need to be secure in our knowledge of who we are, what we believe, and how we do marriage, how we do raise our kids, how we do community, and how we are in the workplace. So the, the impact of these foundations are into our personal identity, which flows into our marriage, our parenting, into our community, and our purpose, ultimately. All right. 
So, we, um, we're going to get into the message today, which is about baptism. How many of you guys know all about baptism? You've got it like down, you should rather be preaching, anyone? Okay, no takers. <laughs> Man, I actually had to write a script. I'm <laughs> okay. Uh, so this, this is a subject that initially I thought was going to be easy to talk about uh, because it's obvious. And I started studying the word. I started doing some research. And, yeah, I'm still getting out of the COVID fog. Uh, excuse me. Um, and, and saw that you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few different ways that this is viewed in the, Christ, the broader Christian community. Um, so I'm not, I don't want to put an argument forward today and try and convince you of anything um, that is, uh, how can I say, I don't have an agenda <laughs> to convince you of my personal thing. What I want us to do is to read the Word of God. What does it say about water baptism? What does it say about baptism with the Holy Spirit? And then I want to create a moment where we can all respond to that. I will share a bit of my personal testimony uh, and how I have experienced these things. And then I want us to, um, but, the, the, but the, the Word of God has to remain central in how we interpret these things, understand these things, and then apply them to our lives. And one of the reasons I'm saying this is because, obviously, I think many of us here in the room, some of the people online maybe, come from a traditional church background, and there are very specific ideas around baptism. And I want to proceed with caution and sensitivity, but I also will not shy away from the truth of the Word of God. So I hope that that is clear. <clears throat> okay. So we're going to talk about baptism. We believe it is a foundational thing that we have to understand and that's why it's part of our foundational teachings. As believers, we need to understand what the Bible teaches about this so that we can be obedient to it. Amen? We've talked about this many times. If we say, I am a Christian, then what I'm hearing and what we should all be hearing is, I believe the Bible is the Word of God, and therefore I will apply that to my life, which is obedience. Why are we obedient? Because we love God. Amen? All right. We saw from Hebrews 6 that the doctrine of baptism is actually specifically mentioned as an elementary principle of our Christian walk. So it's very important to talk about it, understand it, and practice it. We're going to talk about water baptism and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now if we go to the Greek original word, there's two words, baptizein and baptismos. They both basically mean the same, to immerse, to be submerged under water, or ceremonial washing. In Hebrew tradition, there was a ceremonial type of cleansing that they did before they would do some of their rituals, uh, which they called the mikveh, which is also um, which is a word for, that they would use for baptism. But, for the, but the first time we really see baptism in the Bible is with, who can tell me? John the Baptist. There was another John, so we have to be specific. Uh, it's so interesting. I hear in this chosen series they talk about John the Baptizer, not John the Baptist. So it's interesting. It's the first time I heard it that said that way. <clears throat> but he was the first guy that we see in the Bible that went around baptizing people, and we see John talking about his water baptism, what it is for, and how Jesus will baptize with something else. Uh, so I want to jump straight into some scripture here. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture today uh, because I want to show you sort of the progression. If you read the Bible in sequence, this is kind of what we're going to do. We're going to read in sequence how we see certain things about baptism. And hopefully my prayer is that all of us will at the end of this have a picture of, okay, so this is kind of how it was broken open through the scriptures. So Matthew 3 from verse 11 to 17, this is John the Baptist speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. So he's saying to them, this is my baptism. 
is a water baptism unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Listen to this. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Wow, sounds great. Fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. Now, okay, listen to this part. I think a lot of people skip because it's hard for us to get a picture of Jesus being a judge, being a decision maker. But listen to this. His winnowing fan is in his hand. What is the winnowing fan? It's when they were separating the, the good grain from the chaff. They would use a winnowing fan to do that. So he's... His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff of chaff, yeah, chaff, with unquenchable fire. Chaff is its on it. All right. How are you doing? Okay. <laughs> I'm spoiling the moment. This is a serious moment. All right, he will burn up the chaff with, with unquenchable fire. Then, now this is, so that is setting up, this is John setting up Jesus. That was him explaining who Jesus is, all right? The next verse says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John. Jesus came to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Jesus himself chose and came to be baptized. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Some other translations say, Scripture, to fulfill Scripture. Then he allowed him. That's quite an interesting little line. <laughs> when, now listen to this. Now John, imagine this picture. John the Baptist is taking Jesus in the Jordan River, and they are, he's putting him under the water, submerging him under the water. And it, and it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, al and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What a moment. What a powerful, powerful moment. And what I love about this is even in this moment, Jesus is our example. He's, he humbly submits to God's way of being baptized. I mean, you guys have heard the descriptions of John the Baptist. He was a weirdo. He ate honey and locusts and he wore skins. He was a dirty, dirty man. All right? Jesus willingly goes to this guy, humbly submits to being submerged underwater, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Christ, all right? He's being baptized. And then in that moment, he comes up, and there's this heavenly moment. The first baptizer baptized Jesus with water, total submersion. And then Jesus saw the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit come upon him. It's clear that water baptism is a physical thing that we do, but it registers in the spiritual. That is very important for us to realize. It is not just a physical act. There's a reason for it, and it registers in the spiritual realm. Okay. So far, uh, it's in the first stages before Jesus' death, burial, and res resurrection. So water baptism is for repentance, and we haven't seen baptism of the Holy Spirit yet, except for what happened to Jesus himself. So let's, let's follow the scriptures as they reveal things about water and Holy Spirit baptism. So we're going to jump into Luke eleven thirteen. 13. Jesus says, he's talking about how uh, earthly fathers will not give bad things to their children, uh, so let me, let's pick it up there. It says, if you then, being evil, that's nice, thank you, Jesus, know how to give good gifts to, to your children, 
How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Specifically talking about giving the Holy Spirit. John 16, Jesus tells His disciples that it's good that He goes, that the Helper can come. John 16, verse 7 to 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine how tough that must have been for them to hear? They've been traveling with Jesus, ministering with Jesus, being with him physically the whole time. And he keeps talking about going away. And, and it, they don't really register it until the moment. And then it's like, how can you go away? How can you leave us? And he's saying, it's good that I go away so that the helper will come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Okay, but we do see Jesus giving specific instructions about how the disciples were to reach all the nations. So um, we're going to go to the so-called Great Commission's verses. He said to them uh, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he also told, that they, he told them that they will receive the Holy Spirit as their helper and that he will empower them to be witnesses to the world. The Great Commission... Listen to this, the Great Commission and the power of the Holy Spirit being given to the disciples go hand in hand. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, the disciples, to be witnesses for Jesus to the world and empowered to baptize others with water and with the Holy Spirit. Can you see that connection? All right. We're going to read three different verses that kind of describes the same Moment. This is where Jesus tells his disciples what to do. The well-known one, Matthew 28, from verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You guys remember when we talk about how he is Lord, Christ, and King? This is one of those verses that confirms that he has all authority. How many of you guys, when you hear the news, when you... When you see what's going on in this world, do you have doubts about this? Ever doubt this? Do you ever doubt this? Don't. <laughs> Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth, and it doesn't change or shift because of what's happening in this world. Now he says, I have all this authority in heaven and earth. Now he's delegating that authority. He says, go therefore. So from my authority, I am delegating authority and giving you something to do. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, comma, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen to Mark 16, verse 15 to 18. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He, listen to this, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Very important to note, it doesn't say he who does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned. It just says he who does not believe. We'll get back to that point. And then he says, Jesus says to them, these signs will follow those who believe. Do you remember? I asked you this a while ago. I said, who of you guys believe? And you said, yes. And then I said, these signs will follow you. And you got very excited. I don't know if you remember. In my name, they will cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is Jesus promising something to his disciples. Did you see how important the baptizing moment is there as well? And in Luke 24, the focus is more on the promise of the Holy Spirit again. So in Matthew, we see baptizing people with water, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now in Luke 24, verse 48 to 49, it says, You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city 
until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Okay? That is, we don't typically, I don't know about you, but I've, I've heard other quotes that I'm going to read now as well of how Jesus told them to wait for the Spirit to come. But I haven't heard the Luke 24 one a lot. Have you heard it? I haven't heard it a lot. But this is a powerful confirmation that Jesus had this talk with them. Um, one of the translations says it beautifully. It says, you'll be clothed with the Holy Spirit. All right, Acts 1, verse 4 to 8. And being assembled together with them. This is now the last time, according to the beginning of Acts, this last conversation Jesus is having with his disciples before he ascends. He says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, same language used in Luke 24, which he said, you have heard from me. Now he repeats something that John said earlier, if you remember, listen. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus confirming that what's going to happen is a baptism with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Now, you can hear where their minds are at, and you'll hear where Jesus' mind is at. Jesus is on the Great Commission. Let's reach the world with the gospel. Listen to what they are concerned about. They said, asking, Lord, will you, you, at this time, restore the kingdom of Israel? That's what they're worried about. The kingdom of Israel. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, okay, so I hear what you're saying. I hear where your mind is at. But I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> this is what you should focus on. Listen, children. This is what you should focus on. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That is Jesus' focus. And you also see one of the reasons for the Holy Spirit. It's to empower us to be witnesses of the good news. Amen? All right. Now it was after this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said Wait, there will be a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we read that it happens, the fire tongues come upon them, and they start speaking in different languages. Um, it was on the day of Pentecost when it had fully come. The disciples started speaking in many different tongues and languages, understandable languages. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when we spoke about this at, on, on Pentecost, the beautiful connection between this moment and the moment where Moses came down with the tablets from the mountain. And how in the thunderings in the mountain, there was the, the word of God was being spoken in all the languages known to man. And right here, we have thousands and thousands of people gathering in Jerusalem for Pentecost of different nations being reached in this moment for the gospel. It's a powerful, powerful moment. And now Peter, out of this moment, he preaches his first sermon. And it cuts the people to the heart. Listen to this. Acts 2 from verse 37 to 41. Now when they heard this, the people that he was preaching to, they were cut to the heart. He had just told them that you crucified Jesus, the Son of God. And they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So the first sermon about Jesus to many different nations. What is the reaction they are convicted. They want to repent and make right. What, is, what does Peter say to them to do? Repent, step number one, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, get baptized for sins, Receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children 
and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Guys, this was 2,000 years ago. They already spoke about a perverse generation. What the heck should we call today? Because <laughs> it feels to me like the word is going just in, yeah, it's getting worse and worse. We have to raise the standard. We have to stand up for the truth. Listen to this last verse. Then those who gladly received his word, his preaching, the good news, the gospel, they were baptized. Those who gladly received it were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Okay, so let's stand still at this for a moment. From Peter's sermon, a first-time gospel message that brings people to conviction, we see a biblical pattern. The pattern of repentance, which is foundational, which leads to salvation. Then baptism. The next step is to get baptized with water for the remission of sin. Then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and be added to the local church. That's the pattern we see right throughout Acts. And it's a pattern that we should model. Why? Because it works. <laughs> it's God's way. We get f so now I want to jump into four important other biblical pictures we get that further explain the importance of baptism. All right? Are you with me? Are you following? Wow. <laughs> Thank you, my boy. We get four important pictures about water baptism from Scripture. And that water baptism, the, the point of the pictures is to show us that baptism follows repentance and salvation. And it's a symbolic outward expression of the internal decision and change that has taken place. It's about becoming a new creation in Jesus and the old person dying. So, example number one, or picture number one, is burial and resurrection. So the first reference we get to baptism is it's a burial and a resurrection. In Romans 6, verse 1 to 7, Paul is explaining this to the, the Romans. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. He's having a whole argument with him about grace and law. And he says, now he's making arguments and he's saying, shall we say we can continue in sin? Just keep on doing what you want to do so that grace can abound. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? He says, hello, <laughs> if you have died to sin, you can't live in sin anymore. What are you thinking? A very logical guy. Or do you not know? Don't you know? Don't you have a revelation yet? That as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism. We were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. Amen? Amen. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You don't just die, you get raised with Christ. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. The old man is gone. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. This is the powerful message, exciting message of getting freedom in Christ and being baptized with Christ. Is the freedom from sin. Amen? Alright. The second picture is he relates in 1 Corinthians 10 to the passing through the Red Sea and the cloud that the, um, the Israelites had in the desert. <clears throat> Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 from verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. 
In the previous segment, he also said, do you not know? He's like going, hello, luister vir my, word wakker. I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The third picture is circumcision. A very comfortable subject for everybody. So it's a, it's a connection that he makes as well. Because to the Jews, circumcision was fundamental. It was very important. And even in today, some of the traditional churches, they've taken the circumcision and said that it's been replaced by infant baptism. Making it the same thing. So but we'll talk about that just now. But first, we need to know that um, in Colossians 2, Paul is trying to explain to them that this is so much more important than what you used to know as the physical requirement. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. There we get the same language. Buried with him in baptism. In which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Fourth picture, the flood. Talking about the flood of Noah. 1 Peter 3 verse 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago. This is freaky, guys. Listen to this. When God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that was a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from your body, but as a, listen to this, a response to God from a clean conscience. That is what baptism is. It's not just washing our bodies physically. It is a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you see the connection between these four pictures and how important it is for us to understand the value, the importance of baptism? Okay. All of these pictures signify the old life being dead and buried and the new life coming into being. There's one more scripture I want to read to you that confirms this from Colossians 3, verse 1 to 3. It says, if then, he's talking to people that say they are believers. I actually wanted to read the whole Colossians 3 because it's one of the best summaries of the Christian life, but we don't have time. But listen to this. Paul says to the Colossians, if then you were raised with Christ, then something should follow. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is so key. This is so key in these moments where we can easily get wrapped up in the world, the negativity of the world, the fear, the worry, the, the negative narrative that we hear all the time. And we lose this important truth so easily along the way. Okay, so let's get a few principles out of these scriptures and solidify them into our hearts. Water baptism. Water baptism follows true salvation as an act of faith. It's an outward expression of what happened on the inside of us. 
and it registers in the spiritual realm. Would you agree with that? All right. This is very important, this next point I'm going to make. Baptism is not a prerequisite for salvation. Okay? I'm not standing here saying that if you're not baptized, you'll go to hell. That is not what the scripture teaches. Okay? So if you believe in Christ, you've given your life to Christ, you are saved. You are saved. But I hope by now that you can see that choosing to not be baptized after salvation makes you miss out on so much of what God has for us. Amen? Okay. Second point, a third point I want to make here, and this is the sensitive one. The baptizing of a baby is not a baptism. It's just not. Because if we look at it from a scriptural point of view, there is no mention of babies being baptized ever. All right? What there is that we can see is the parents of Jesus bringing him as a young child to the temple to present him to the priest. That we do see. Now, this is a very sensitive subject, I know. Many people come from many different backgrounds. To some people, this is very sacred because of how they were brought up. So, I don't want to be insensitive and I don't want to insult anybody and I definitely don't want to um, cause any eruptions in families. But this is why it's important for us to say as Love Key Church, we are a Bible-believing church. We believe what the Bible says about these things. And what I want people to know is that the tradition of sprinkling water on a baby's head a few days or weeks or months after birth and calling it a baptism is completely man-made. It's completely, it was brought in because leaders and parents were worried about where their children go if they may die as infants. So they brought this in as a way for people to kind of soothe their conscience. Like, don't worry, your child's fine. They've been baptized. But throughout all these scriptures we just read, it is very clear that baptism follows repentance and salvation. A baby can't make that decision. It, they just can't. But what is beautiful is when parents come before the congregation, before the church, before God, and say, this is our child. God has blessed us with this child. And we want to say before all these witnesses today that we want to raise our child in the ways of God. That is something that's beautiful, it makes sense, and it lines up with what we see in Scripture, okay? So I want you to know that there's a big difference between baby dedication and baptism. It's not the same thing, all right? That's very important. The reason I'm saying that is because there might be some of you here today or online or listening to the podcast later that at some point in your life you became saved, born again, gave your life to Christ. And I've spoken to many people like this. They said, yes, I got saved, born again. And then you ask them, have you been baptized? They go, no, I was baptized as a baby. And they think that that is a baptism. Now, the problem with that is that I really believe from my own personal experience and from seeing what has happened to people when they go through the baptismal, there's something spiritually powerful that happens when you do that. It registers in the spiritual realm that you are now baptized, washed clean, the old is dead. Some people will even be saved, born again, refuse to get baptized, and then wonder why they struggle with some habitual sins from the old man. Maybe it's because you haven't been baptized. It is there's something spiritual that happens on the inside of us. So that's very important for us to realize that. I believe one of the biggest lies in the church in general is the whole idea of baptizing babies. And then that's it. It's done. Because it holds the church of Christ back from walking in the fullness, walking in the power that God has for us. And just a practical thing, baptism, according to the word, the meaning of the word, and 
what it symbolizes should be a full immersion in water, going down all the way, coming back up all the way, because your whole old self gets washed away. Okay, that's just a practical thing. Okay, let's talk about Holy Spirit baptism. Now we see there's a sequence through the scriptures that we read today, and I know I threw a lot of scriptures out at you, but I wanted you to see that this, these things go hand in hand. I, initially, I thought I'm going to preach on baptism of water and then baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they are in, in, intertwined and they work together uh, according to the Scripture. So with the words that we see associated with Holy Spirit is power, fire, that there will be manifestations and demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most important things that we see, the reason for the, the Holy Spirit coming upon people is for them, for us, to be witnesses. One of the main reasons that we need Holy Spirit baptism is to be effective witnesses for Jesus. How many of you guys have been in situations where you felt, I can't do this. I don't have it in me. I don't have the words. I don't have the confidence. I don't have the boldness. Anyone ever felt that way? What might be missing is Holy Spirit operating through you. It's, it's amazing to see the pattern throughout Acts, to see from that moment that the apostles received the Holy Spirit baptism, how things changed, how they walked in boldness, in confidence, and how they just grew in their spiritual maturity to a point where people were just trying to get them to, like Peter's shadow, to just go over them, because then they would get healed. That should be normal, guys. Why is it not normal? We, we see that one of the ways that the Holy Spirit comes in that way is when there was unity. It's a beautiful picture in the beginning of Acts where it talks about how these 120 disciples of Jesus were together in one place and in one accord. Unity welcomes the Holy Spirit. Amen? The other way that it happens is with laying on of hands. We see many examples in Acts where they were, there was the laying on of hands and then people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and what typically happens in most of the scriptures, I'm going to read a few now, is that baptism with the Holy Spirit is accompanied by speaking in tongues. Now, I know that and some other things are also weird to many Christians. Maybe you've been to meetings where people rolled around on the ground and laughed and all kinds of funny stuff happened. I was once in one of those meetings, and it completely freaked me out. <laughs> and um, at one point, the guy said he was just waving his handkerchief over blocks in the venue, and people would fall over. And I said, if this is you, Lord, make me fall. But I'm not going to fall just because everyone else is falling. So he waved the handkerchief over our block, and everyone around me was like, back in their chairs. And I was just standing there going, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> Because now it's possible that I stood in the way of something God was doing, but I just couldn't see the value of that. How is that going to change the world for Jesus? I just, I couldn't get that connection. Plus, I really said, Lord, if it's your will, let this happen. And it didn't happen. So now I, I don't want to limit the Holy Spirit. I would never want to do that. And I believe the, the word also tells us Holy Spirit is like a wind. He comes and goes as He wishes. You don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. So we must never limit Holy Spirit into what, who He is, how He wants to move, and how He wants to impact lives. Absolutely. But we also must be careful to look for the sensational and miss God in the process. Amen? That's the wisdom I think we need to apply to these things. Now, Something that I haven't thought about myself a lot, it, uh, and when I was studying this, I was like, oh, I actually need to think about this. When we talk about baptism of water, it's pretty obvious. You know, you go into the water, you come out of the water, there's a physical thing that happens. But we see the exact same language used for baptism of, of baptism with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. So can you for a moment imagine your spirit being your mind, your heart being completely submerged 
under the influence of the presence of the overwhelming love of the Holy Spirit and being raised in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I think that is something that happens that, that we should have a picture of. That that's actually what happened. The same way that I go under the water and I come back up out of the water physically for water baptism, there's a spiritual baptism that takes place when I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, some people wonder, why should I be baptized with the Holy Spirit? If I'm saved, didn't God, the Trinity, come and live inside of me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I have all of them, right? I believe yes. When we get saved, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. God is with us, absolutely. But I think it's very clear from Scripture that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something extra that happens. Something on top of. A bonus feature, if you will. Of the Holy Spirit. And if we are not open to it because of we decide because of cultural baggage or things, preconceived ideas we have, once again, as with water baptism, I believe we miss out on the power and the effectiveness that God wants us to move in for Him. Amen? Would you agree with that? All right. It does seem to be a separate moment of a special kind of manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's typically, according to Scripture, typically marked by speaking in tongues. That's the one we see the most. Now, it doesn't have to be that. It can happen in different ways for different people. We're going to look at a few Scriptures, and then I want to come back to how do we apply this to our lives. All right, Acts 2 verse 4. This is the moment where the, um, the disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words. Okay, now this is later on in Acts. Okay, it's chapter 10. Peter is preaching. There's a whole bunch of Gentiles in the audience, people that aren't Jewish. And at that stage, there was still this thing of like, you know, can the gospel of Jesus be for non-Jews? There was a little bit of inner fighting about this. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews who believed, in other words, Messianic Jews, they have come to Jesus. They were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak. What were the signs that, they, that the Holy Spirit was poured out? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Speaking in tongues, praising God are signs that you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. What happened here? There was baptism with the Holy Spirit before there was baptism with water. But what did the Holy Spirit do? He brought repentance, conviction, and salvation. Boom. And he manifested on them. And then Peter's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Uh... Can anyone see what God is doing? Who are we to go against this? Let's baptize them with water. Let's just get this all done. Can you guys see that? That's powerful. Acts 19 verse 2 to 6. And he said to them. Now this is, uh, I think it's Paul. Yeah, Paul meeting people along the way with them uh, preaching the gospel that haven't received the Holy Spirit. And listen to this. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. All right? And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? 
Then uh, they said into John's baptism. So what have they been? They've been baptized with water unto repentance. That's where they are at. And now Paul is meeting with them. And he said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. Does that sound familiar? John has said this. Jesus has said this. Saying to the, uh, so John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, listen to this, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So in this instance, we see that baptism of the Holy Spirit led to speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now from my own life, I can tell you that I had a very interesting journey. I got saved. I had my first real encounter with God as a 16-year-old at a camp. But I was still in a traditional church setting. And there was no real guidance into how I should take the next steps. But I had this insatiable hunger for more. For more of the Spirit. Because I knew that something changed inside of me. I couldn't explain it. I, and, and I, didn't, I couldn't, couldn't find anyone to speak to that seemed to understand what I'm saying. And so for a long time, I was, I was just kind of stuck in that moment. Like I gave my life to God. I had this encounter, but what now? And it was only eight years later when I met a pastor that started discipling me and explained to me these foundational things that the penny started to drop. And he explained to me that, you know, as good as intentions as your parents had and as the church had, what happened with you as a baby was not baptism. You need to be baptized with water. And he taught me what it meant. And then he taught to me, he taught me what baptism in the Holy Spirit meant. And so one day we went to a house, someone's pool. I just said, yes, I'm in. Let's do this. And I was baptized in water. I came up out of that water. And I remember this. It was, it was like an amazing moment of clarity and a weight coming off of me. And I, I mean, what blew my mind is that I, had, I walked for eight years without having that. And I missed out. And, and I'm, but I was so glad for someone like Philip in my life that, that could bring these truths into my life and for me to get the opportunity. And, and remember, I still had to say yes. I still had to agree. I, 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 but I mean, I don't know how you read the scriptures and still say, nah, it's okay. <laughs> if you really are saved. If you really are saved and you read the scriptures, the scriptures we read today, and you still go, nah, baptism is not for me. Ugh. You know, I have to ask, where's your pride levels? Where's your conviction? Because it should be something you can't wait to do. Because of what happens in that moment. And then the, the thing that was a bit more difficult for me was baptism with Holy Spirit. Because also, coming from a very traditional background, being a logical kind of guy, the way I think, the way I understand things, uh, very careful to just believe anything. Also, having had been to that, that kind of event that I spoke about earlier where it was like weird, uh, I kind of associated Holy Spirit with weirdness. And, and so there was a lot of baggage in my mind that I needed to get rid of. And the one day I was sitting with Philip and he said, okay, I'm going to lay hands on you, pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He prayed for me, nothing happened in that moment. I went home and I was like, God, I don't want this to be fake. I want this to be real. And the more I prayed, the more I prayed, the more I felt God say to me, you're standing in the way. You're overthinking this. You're trying to control the Holy Spirit. And that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing. You should let me lovingly show you how this works and, and just surrender to this moment. So I finally, when I could get you know, my, out of my own way, I was able to say, Lord, I, I surrender. I just, I surrender. Let your will be done. And I, and I just, by faith, I started making the first sound of speaking in tongues. And then, and I, and then it started flowing. And the, and the more I just relaxed and surrendered and, and by faith, and, and now, if I pray in tongues, it sounds like a language. 
and it, it varies and it grows. And, and it's, I use it to sing unto God. I use it to pray when I'm driving somewhere. Because the Bible says there are things that we utter in our spiritual language that we, we don't even understand. We need to pray. But we pray it, and our spirit knows we need to pray this. And it's an amazing, powerful tool that we get to, to communicate with God. So, in summary, water baptism should follow salvation. And because it solidifies the decision we made for Christ, and it registers us in the spirit as people standing up for Jesus. The whole spiritual realm sits up and goes, whoa, okay, someone just got baptized because we felt something move. It's a powerful thing. I think a lot of Christians don't realize how powerful it is. I've heard amazing testimonies of how, you know, the demonic cannot go through the baptismal. They cannot. I have a friend who's an evangelist who has seen some very crazy things in his life. And he said one of the most amazing things was he led a Satanist to Jesus. And the day they baptized this guy, they almost couldn't get him into the water because there was still stuff in him. But as they got him into the water, they left. And when he got out on the other side, his eyes changed, his face changed, and all that stuff left him. Couldn't go through. Just in the week, I heard an amazing testimony of a guy who got, he was also a Satanist and he had a tattoo of like, the typical picture of Satan, you know, the, the head of a, a goat and all these ugly things on his neck, like right here, very obvious. And he, he was afraid to get baptized in a church in front of everybody with this thing on his neck. And he got baptized, came out on the other side, and the tattoo was gone. Oh, wow. So these are the kinds of things that we must know can happen in, in the, in, because it's so powerful. I want you to know today, water baptism is not just a little thing you do as, as part of the church. It can't be a ritual that you just do because someone said you should do it. It is something very, very powerful as a next step after becoming a Christian. And if you haven't done it, if you've been walking with Christ for a long time and you haven't done this, I want to encourage you to please pray and ask Holy Spirit to speak to you about this. And when he says, yes, go, you must be obedient. We want to create a day where we can do this. Yanni and his, uh, his family have a warm pool at home, uh, especially this time of year. It's important to know. And they have, they have agreed that we can create a moment somewhere on a, maybe on a Saturday or maybe even off in a Sunday afternoon after church where we can come together and have a baptism ceremony for those who want to do it. So is there anyone here right now today that after hearing this, you haven't done that, that would like to do that? Anyone? Hallelujah. Okay, great. Anyone online? You can put up your hand. Put a little splash of water there as an emoji. Um, if you are near us and want to join us, please let us know as well. I really believe that this is a powerful thing that we need to to do and create a moment and do it regularly as people come to Christ as people come to the revelation of what this means that they will get baptized so we need to um, yeah the second point I wanted to just summarize again is Holy Spirit baptism this is important can happen at, at, at the moment of salvation it can happen during uh, during or straight after water baptism or it can happen later we can't limit the Holy Spirit with when He wants to come upon someone in that way. But we can limit Him with our decisions, with our lack of faith, if we are not open to what He wants to do. Is there anyone here today that haven't had a specific moment where they've been laid hands on or asked God themselves that they be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Anyone that haven't been baptized, have not been baptized, have not been baptized. Okay. All right. Those who raise their hands, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Okay, great. That's a good start. Um, so we want to, I know it's half past 11, but I don't want to limit what God is doing.
we want to create a moment where we're going to sing just a little chorus and invite Holy Spirit to, to come into this space to, to minister to us. And I want to ask that those who, who raise their hands, if you would actually come forward, um, I will call you just now. After we've sung this once or twice, I will call you forward. And I'd like you to come expectant to the front. And if you're comfortable with it, I'd like to just put my hand on you and pray that Holy Spirit will baptize you today. Is that good? Does that sound good? All right, so let us stand and be expectant. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.